Um, all right, so in your Bibles, um, will you turn to 1 Corinthians, the very end of chapter 12? And if you don't have a Bible, you can raise your hand and somebody will hand you a Bible. It's on page 663. So if you need one, don't be, don't be shy. Um, so the past few weeks, we've uh, been looking into spiritual gifts. Um, or as we've been calling them, uh, Grace Ministries. Um, Today we're going to conclude that series by taking a look at what Paul calls the most or the more excellent way, the way of love. So um, 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to start with verse 27, and we're going to go all the way through the end of chapter 13. Um, Chances are, if you've been to a wedding, you've probably heard this passage. Um, Let's start uh, verse 27, chapter 12. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, then prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kind of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? And I will show you a still more excellent way. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, And if I have faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable. Or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. As for knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and prophesy in part. But when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall, be, I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. So now, faith, hope, and love abide, these three, but the greatest of these is love. Amen. Well, we can all go home now. (laughs) It's pretty (laughs) self-explanatory. So we have to ask ourselves, uh, what is love, Um, right? Is it a feeling? Is it an emotion? Is it an action? Um, and as I think about that question, uh, one of my favorite uh, teachers, his name's Dallas Willard. Uh, if you've heard me speak, I call him D. Willie. Um, uh, he says this, 
this thing about um, the word love, and he says how today people use the love so freely, so flippantly. Um, people use it to say, oh my gosh, I love that donut. Um, to which he says, you don't love that donut, you want to eat the donut. So I put a picture of a little kid eating a donut to help get our brain in this, um, in this mind. Um, but I want us to turn to uh, a group, make a group of two or three, and just take one quick minute and say, uh, what do you think is love? Um, so let's just do that right now really quickly. It'll be less than a minute, and I will cue us back with a song, and you will know very quickly what it is. So take about a minute, a minute and a half. What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. All right, all right. <laughs> all right, so uh, that's the timer. Time's up. What did, uh, what, what, can you share just some quick responses? Just shout it out. Uh, what, what, what did you come up with that is love? Show compassion for others. Sacrifice. Giving, forgiveness. forgiveness, yeah, acceptance, being constant, that's hard, <laughs> yeah, how about giving grace, how about one more, Pablo, in the spiritual realms, ooh, I like that. Pablo, you're getting ahead of my... my uh, uh, okay, so uh, love is a very, very complex thing. It's, it's complex and it's simple. And I feel like God has been really helping me, uh, giving me some insights on, on love. And I, I actually think that, you know, what Pablo said, there's a spiritual realm to it. There's a hiddenness to love. It's sort of this um, secret ingredient. Um, so two weeks ago, we... Uh, went on a staff uh, retreat, and we went to Golden Gate Park to spend some quiet time with God, and, and um, we were alone. And as I sat there, I was reflecting on, um, there's this Pastor June. Uh, Pastor June, he spoke at uh, the Home Group Leaders Retreat, and he was, uh, he's a man who is a very, his body is very broken. And he referred to himself as a dying man. His, literally, his outer body is, is wasting away. Um, to Lou Gehrig's disease, and even though that's happening, what he had, when he, what he shared was that um, he was full of um, joy and love, and and as I was thinking about this, um, I wrote down in my journal, I wrote, Abba, you've given me so many outward things, when I, the thing I need the most is hidden, um, 
And that thing is love. And um, it's a secret ingredient that changes everything when it comes to expressing the spiritual gifts. And um, I put this little chart up to help us think about um, the gifts, right? The gifts are on the outside, but uh, love is very hidden. Um, if you want to listen to the uh, the Pastor June um, message, that's also on the Opiso blog, just as a side note. Um, so it's easy to get wrapped up in the exterior, right? I mean, it's the first thing that we, we see. And I've had to learn that difficult lesson um, with music. Uh, music is so outward. Um, people uh, love its beauty, right? It's very sensual. Um, but that external expression um, can easily become tangled by pride. Um, so every week, I, I try and spend time with musicians from the Bay Area at these um, jam nights. And um, there's one at the Starry Plow in Berkeley and another one in Oakland. And these places are, are areas where get musicians could come and express their gifts. Um, these jams are pretty hit or miss. And this last week I went, and it was sort of painful because we're all up there. And, and I would say everybody on the stage was gifted, but there was no communication happening. So what ended up uh, happening, each person was kind of on their own island. And instead of harmony, there was this noise. It was cacophony. And... Um, it, that that secret ingredient was missing, and we have to make sure as um, as Christians uh, that we don't focus on the exterior, and that's exactly what Paul's telling us in this passage. So uh, let's let's go ahead and and look at verses one through three, and Paul's warning here. Um, he says, "If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal." And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge and have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. So Paul's contrasting all these exterior things with something that's um, more hidden. So I have a couple pictures, couplets of pictures here. Um, and in some ways, love becomes a cure to diseased external expressions. Um, so it turns noise or cacophony into a pleasant sound. How, who knows what that is? Dinner bell. Yeah, everybody knows dinner's ready. Um, it turns know-it-alls, and this is a caricature, right, into humble teachers, I think that's a beautiful picture right there. It, ta- it turns misguided philanthropy into cheerful giving. And um, love is the best way because it transcends every outward expression. It transcends it, but not only that, but it infuses every expression with the essence of goodness. And... Um, Another helpful way that um, God has helped me think about the relationship between um, spiritual gifts and love is that um, to think of the gifts as as tools. And so I have a picture up here of a a worker. Um, Love is the way that you use the tools. It's the manner in which you use those things. Um, Tools are very helpful. They can help us accomplish a lot in a very short amount of time. Um, I learned this firsthand because I was given a hammock, and um, 
when it came time to, to hang it up, I had the option of uh, using my hands to to attempt to get this wood screw up in there, or I, I could use the electric drill, right? Um, I ended up choosing the electric drill and made things a lot faster. Um, and then that work was completed. Um, and very much like completing that work, so spiritually, um, gifts are tools, and they help us accomplish God's work with his strength, which is, is far greater than ours. Um, but how and what we create is made good through love. And that's what Paul is telling us, that even if we have every gift, but if we don't have love, it doesn't really matter at all. Um, it's neither helpful for me or the people around me. Um, if we continue that tool analogy, we can um, say that uh, tools are power, powerful, but with great power comes what? Great responsibility. Yeah, it's a quote from uh, Spider-Man or something. Um, great responsibility, yeah, because um, unfortunately with great power, uh, great damage can be done, right? Um, so then love acts as a safeguard against that kind of damage. Um, and I, I just want to take a moment to acknowledge, you know, if, if some of, I, I can probably say that all of us have been hurt, right, by um, some abuse of, lo- of these gifts. Um, and so to, ha- to also know that God knows that, and we're all here together, and to, we're here to try and grow from that. And so I just wanted to acknowledge um, that God knows, you know, and, and, and we're here to try and mend that and heal from that and to lament with you in that too. Um, but I want to encourage us to keep risking and keep moving forward. Um, so the next we see on verses 4 through 7 that Paul um, is describing that there are things that either accelerate or they destroy love. So let's take a look again at the First Corinthians chapter 13, 4 through 7. Um, so it says, love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It is not irritable or resentful. It does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. So uh, I made this little chart. Uh, Andrew Hoffman helped me out with the terminology. I liked it, though. Love uh, accelerators or love destroyers? And um, I think one of my favorite accelerator would be, like, forbearance, just that act of letting things go, right, and bearing with the burdens of, of each other. Uh, but I wanted to highlight um, one of the destroyers, which is envy, and um, there should be a little arrow, boop, right there. Um, I have a lot of experience with envy. <laughs> um, I, I think it's actually one of my biggest struggles. Um, I'm often surprised by it and surprised by how irrational it is. Um, I remember one time it affected me so much that I had to have a conversation to confess my envy to this person. Um, and I was really nervous, but at the end of that conversation, um, there was insecurities that had been confessed about uh, one another. But at the end, there was so much reconciliation, and it ended up being just this really amazing time of, of, of peace between us and true fellowship. Um, another destroyer of love is... Uh, that I want to highlight is love does not insist on its own way. Um, and again, I've, I'm very well acquainted with this destroyer of love. 
Um, because when you s insist on your own way, uh, that rigidity ends up forcing other people to, to appease you or, or to do what you want. Um, it's a form of controlling people, actually. And uh, when people let you down, you might become bitter or angry, um, and it's actually very childish. Um, so I learned this firsthand um, uh, about two years ago. I was working in a, in a coffee shop with uh, high customer traffic, and I found that in general people were sort of short and rude um, to me. Um, but that didn't bother me. I wasn't bothered at the fact that they wanted me to do my job. They wanted my co the coffee, right? But I was bothered that they didn't want to have the most life-transforming conversation in the 15, second, 15 seconds that I gave them their coffee. Like, <laughs> don't you know that Jesus loves you, man? Like, you know? Um, so isn't that weird, right? Because I feel like, so God convicted me, and he, re he revealed that this was a desire to control um, eventually he showed me that if I released that desire, um, that there would be actually more moments of genuine and authentic connections that would happen, um, in both big and small ways. Um, and it, it became a burden that was lifted off my shoulders. So love does not insist on its own way. Um, another reason why love is so important is because Unlike the spiritual gifts, uh, love is eternal, and Paul makes that clear in this passage. So if we go back to that passage, uh, let's read verses 8 through 10. Uh, it says, love never ends. As for prophecies, they will pass away. As for tongues, they will cease. The NIV says they will be stilled. As for knowledge, it will pass away. Isn't that crazy, right, to think? For we know in part and prophesy in part, but when the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. So in thinking about this, uh, Paul says that we know in part and we prophesy in part. So I, I thought about that and made this little chart. Um, I'm just using these terms because that's the way that Paul sort of describes it. Knowing in part, prophesying in part. I kind of categorize those into these larger categories of uh, knowledge, wisdom, Signs and wonders. And that comes from uh, the scripture, too, where um, Paul talks about how the Greeks seek uh, knowledge and wisdom and the Jews seek signs and wonders. Um, so on one side, you have uh, wisdom and knowledge gifts. And the other one, you have very, these very supernatural gifts. Um, and there's a constant pull that's happening from both sides. Um, the pull might come from our upbringing, Right. Um, our own abilities, or our, our own personalities. Um, neither side is wrong, but both sides need each other um, to avoid blind spots and to avoid pride. Uh, and that's so important, and, it's, and, and this is a huge reason why we should be spending time with people that are different from us, um, because it forces us to learn. Um, so I, I want to share um, my journey through this, uh, this wandering I actually grew up leaning toward the knowledge-wisdom side, and um, I would say that my college days were the pinnacle of this deep philosophizing. Um, I, I, I had these systems of theology, I had all these ologies and wisdom and a bunch of words that you can't really pronounce well, um, very complex words, like six syllables, you know. Um, and, and in my search, unfortunately, I, I found that too many leaders with the right systems 
Um, they ended up failing or, or even manipulating people. And even when we look at King Solomon in the Bible, right, he, he was the, the man who had the most wisdom, um, yet that wisdom didn't stop him from making terrible decisions. He ended up marrying the wives of foreign, uh, with foreign gods, and um, they ended up polluting the worship culture of Israel, introducing false idols. Um, so I, had, I kept asking, like, okay, there's got to be more than um, pursuing the gifts of wisdom and knowledge. And then years later, I ended up pursuing the other side, the signs and wonder side. Um, a few years ago, I had an, an awesome roommate um, who exposed me to many things in this um, camp. And I ended up finding that it was really edifying, actually, and very encouraging. Um, and it increased my faith. Um, but as I continued to search for these signs and wonders, I ended up spending... Uh, I just I, I observed that people end up spending so much of their time searching on like, this magic quest, basically, um, and that the power in these gifts can also lead to abuse. Um, and the scripture tells us tells us of this guy named um, Magus, Simon Magus, who wanted to harness God's power um, for his own gain. So I ended up concluding, man, there's got to be more to pursue again than these gifts. Uh, and so I ended up left with the question, um, what are we left to pursue, right? And um, so I ended up trying to pursue love, which is what we have to do. Um, Paul says, describes this process as growing into maturity. So uh, if we go back to our text, uh, 1 Corinthians 13, uh, let's, st- let's go from uh, 11 and 12. Actually, it started at 10. When the perfect comes, the partial will pass away. When I was a child, I spoke like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. Excuse me. When I became a man, I gave up childish ways. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. And... When, we, when I say we should pursue love, how, how do we end up doing that? Um, and the answer is to pursue Jesus. Um, why? Because Jesus devi- defines perfect love. Um, Jesus reveals perfect love, and he embody, embodies perfect love. Um, and how did Jesus do it? Um, when we look at the Gospels, um, we see Jesus using his gifts in different ways. Uh, and every time he used those gifts, he did it perfectly in love, right? Um, Jesus was so in tune with the will of God, the Father, that every outward expression was birthed from love. And we can go down the list, right? He healed people. Um, he raised others from the dead. He fed thousands of people with a few loaves of bread and some fish. He taught mysteries to his disciples through parables. He showed them faith when he quieted that storm. He prophesied concerning his resurrection. He discerned the motives of people. Every gift Jesus ever exercised was to love people. And here's where it gets even deeper. It says, um, even for Jesus, though, the gifts weren't enough, right? Because even though he did do them in love, there was still one big problem left. uh, And that was the problem of sin. 
Uh, Jesus could have been made a great earthly king. Uh, hunger, can you imagine? Hunger would have been done away with. And poverty would have been um, overcome. But at the end of the day, people would have been left in their sins. And the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Sin separated us from God, that spiritual death. And without the shedding of blood, it says that there is no forgiveness of sins. Jesus knew that if he truly loved us, if he wanted us to have life, then he would eventually have to die. No use of gifts could ever take care of that problem. His death would pay for, for all of our sins, past, present, future. And he was willing to lay down his life for you and me, even though we were the ones who deserved that death. Jesus laid down his life and he laid down his gifts so that you and I could have true life. Amen. And I, I want to share with you a clip from the movie Big Hero 6. Um, it's, it's an awesome clip. If you haven't seen this movie, um, I'm going to spoil it for you. So sorry. <laughs> sorry, not sorry. Um, but there's, a, there's this robot, Baymax, and uh, he's created, actually, to care for people. Um, and in the movie, Baymax gets souped up, right? He gets all these gifts that get added to him, um, including um, the ability to master, like, complex martial arts. Um, he's got this sweet, like, flight suit with rockets. Um, so he's been given all these gifts. But as you'll see in this clip, the gifts are not enough to take care of the issue at hand, which is the imminent death of the person he's supposed to care for. So um, his, that person's name is Hero. Um, so let's watch this clip, and then um, we'll finish up. And I'm going to lose it. Come on, buddy, let's get her home. I'll guide you out of here. Let's go! Be right! Okay. To the left. Heart right. Up and over. Okay, level up. Easy. Thrusters are inoperable. Just grab hold. <sighs> there is still a way I can get you both to safety. I cannot deactivate until you say you are satisfied with your care. No, 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 no. Wait, wait, wait. What about you? You are my patient. Baymax, Your no. health is my only concern. Stop! No, no, I, I'm, I'm gonna figure are out... Are you satisfied with your care? No! There's gotta be another way. I'm not gonna leave you here. I'll think of something. There is no time. Are you satisfied with your care? Please! No! I can't lose you two. 
Hero, I will always be with you. Satisfied with my care. Don't cry, everybody. Um, and obviously, this is an analogy, right? But Christ came to save people, and in our case, we, we rejected him. We rejected Jesus. But on that cross, the wrath of God was satisfied. And Jesus, at his death, right before it, he said, it is finished, and three days later, he rose from the dead. And the Bible tells us that the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead now dwells inside of us, and that's how we can love. That's the only way we can do it. Apart from Christ, we can do nothing. But with Christ... Everything that we do will have an internal impact. So how, how will we respond today? Um, if you haven't asked Jesus to dwell inside of you, uh, you can simply invite him to do that. Um, he gave his life for you in love. And if you just call upon his name, you will be saved. And if you do have God's spirit dwelling within you, how will you follow his example of love and die to yourself today for the sake of others. Um, so as we respond, let's think about that. I'm going to pray to close this out. Uh, Father, uh, uh, we thank you for Jesus. And we ask God that you would perfect love in us. We thank you that you've given us your son, that your spirit is now filling us, Lord, and, and we pray that, that all we do would be done in love. And guide each of us, Lord, on how to respond and how to move forward in this. And we ask your spirit to do that. We thank you for that gentleness, God. In, in Jesus' name we pray, amen.